As you know, 2022-23 has been designated as the RBBC year of being members one of another, and that's based on Romans 12.5, which declares that we are members one of another. It doesn't say that we need to become that. We, we are that. We're designated as such. However, the admonition does carry the weight that focuses on intending us to be effective and faithful in being members one of another in God's church. And this theme will be highlighted a number of times, already has been highlighted a few times, uh, going to be highlighted many times over the next 11, 12 months or so um, as we focus on that until mid to late next fall. And one of the ways that we'll be doing that is through Lord's Supper services as I'm going to be focusing on the one another's. Now, it depends on who you ask. And what do you, you say? You might be wondering, what do, what do you mean by the one another's? Well, the, the, the passages in Scripture that says, do this one to another. Be this person one to another. And if you were to look, uh, if you were to do a search on this, you would find that some people, those who write commentaries, those who are, are scholars and all, uh, believe there are as few as 14 of the one another's that are very specific, very distinct, all the way up to 59, which are more generic. Uh, and so somewhere in there, and I don't know what the exact number is, um, I don't know that anybody can definitively say, um, we are going to look at many of the one another's beginning this evening with loving one another. We continue that theme with possibly the most important of the one another's uh, is um, loving one another. Because if we get this one right, we have fulfilled all the law and the prophets, Jesus said, if you love one another. And two different biblical passages I'd like us to consider. First one is in Second John. If you'd look near the end of your New Testament, Second John, uh, just, just shortly before the book of Revelation, a couple, three books before Revelation, verses five and six, just one chapter, and then the gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I want to look at the text in 2 John to begin with as we consider loving one another. Um, You'll remember in our most recently uh, completed uh, series on the Lord in Lord's Supper messages focused on the 12 apostles and the apostle John Uh, likely the youngest of the apostle. He was the brother of James, and they were nicknamed what? Those James and John were nicknamed sons of thunder because they in the flesh would just as soon blast someone as bless someone until the Spirit of God entered their hearts and they were radically changed. They experienced pure love and were forever changed. The apostle John knew the power of the God of biblical love. So this evening, we look at this from these two passages, 2 John, beginning in verse 5. And now I beseech thee, lady. Now, who's the lady? Well, I did an exhaustive study on this a few years ago, and I'm convinced that the lady is actually written to a local church, unidentified here, possibly unidentified here, because it's getting toward the end of the first uh, century. John was either already banished to the island of Patmos or was going to be. Persecution was coming, and it very well could be that he did not want to put a target 
uh, on that particular local church uh, for fear that they would also be attacked unnecessarily. You all follow the reasoning there? So it appears that the lady here is not his girlfriend. It's not uh, uh, some woman, actual woman that he knew somewhere, but in fact, uh, ecclesia. It's, the, uh, it's a feminine noun for church. And so I'm convinced that he's referencing a particular local church unidentified to us. So, and now I beseech thee, local church, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So here in this passage, it says, I'm not writing a new commandment unto you, for you have already heard this from the beginning. Well, from the beginning of what? Well, the only biblical reference uh, that we, we can really nail down for sure is from the beginning of the, the church, the, the ministry of Jesus uh, shortly after he ascended. And uh, the church was established there in Acts chapter 2. And just before that happened, just before the crucifixion, John 13 was written. So if you look at John chapter 13, John 13, verses 34 and 35. John, the gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this, that is, by love you have one for another, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. F.F. F. Bruce wrote, Love and obedience are inextricably interwoven because all the commandments of God are summed up in the law of love. In, in other words, loving God and loving others is the summary of what it means to follow the Lord. Anything short of that, one is not truly following the Lord. And I'll get down at the very end of this message. I want to share a couple of practical points on how we actually are to do that. Uh, But let's get the theory of all of this first. First of all, we see in the first part of verse 34 of John chapter 13, that we must obey the exhortation to love. Notice the beginning, a new commandment I write unto you, that you love one another. We are to obey that exhortation. And you know, uh, there seems, as I pointed out a little bit ago, seems to be a little bit of a discrepancy in this text with 2 John 5. Because in 2 John 5, it says, I'm not writing a new commandment unto you. And here in John 13, he says, I am writing a new commandment unto you. So which is it? Well, the word is not the word, the word new is not the word for new in time, but new of a kind. It's a particular type of love. And of course, we know that as agape. It is the, the God love, the, uh, the type that is utter selflessness, not looking at, uh, for my own good, but looking for your good unto the glory of God. And so when Jesus introduced it, it, that was a new concept. And it's more than just being benevolent. It's more than just sharing with somebody. It's actually having a heart motivation that I'm going to put you first in in our uh, relationship. Um, And so it was new at that point that Jesus was introducing it. It It's a part of the new nature. But by the time John wrote in 2 John, some 60 years later, he said, I'm not writing something that you don't already know. 
We were taught this from the beginning. When in the earthly ministry of Jesus, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. John later said, you already know this commandment, but I'm reiterating it to you. We are called to obey the exhortation to love. Now, folks, if I'm called to obey that, it's very clear that I am in the sense that it's a witness that I belong to the Lord. What is it called when you don't obey a command of the Lord? Sin. If you know to do good, he that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And so this is a very serious issue when the Lord says, you are to do this. It's the essential quality. It is an essential quality, I guess I could say. There's probably many essential qualities. Uh, But the command to love uh, is, is very clear. And it couldn't have come in any more of an opportune time because verses 21 to 30, if you were to read it, details gives us the, uh, the, 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 uh, the narrative of the love that Jesus had, but that Judas could have had, should have had, and yet he rejected it. In fact, if you'll notice in verse 27 of this passage in John 13, after the sop, after Jesus had uh, uh, dipped the bread uh, in, the, in the oinus, the grape juice, Satan entered into him, that is into Judas Iscariot, Then said Jesus unto him, what thou doest, do quickly. And so Jesus didn't do anything but demonstrate love and acceptance for Judas and for anyone he encountered. And yet Judas turned his back, betrayed him, um, and went out and took the 30 pieces of silver. It's noteworthy that the first exhortation, think about that, the first exhortation Jesus gave his followers in preparing them for his departure I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to, they're going to kill me. The very first thing he said is, when uh, I send the Spirit and he is in you, love one another. He didn't say memorize Scripture, as important as that is. He didn't say even uh, pray. He didn't even really say uh, worship ought to be the primary practical response. But your love for God and love for one another, that is going to be a, a marquee. That's going to be the identifying factor that you are a follower of me. John Calvin wrote that Jesus said our love was to be, quote, our constant study our chief meditation love love for god and love for one another so we are called to obey that exhortation also notice at the end of verse 34 we are called to follow the example of love verse 34 love one another as i have loved you well how did he love us by pouring himself out by becoming an offering, offering himself willingly. Um, could have called 10,000 angels, as, as it says, and yet he willingly forsook his own uh, comfort, turned away from that, and took upon himself um, the form of a servant when he came as man and then ultimately died uh, at, on the cross Notice at the end of verse 1 of chapter 13, this is a, this is a compelling point. Verse 13, when the feast was, uh, the Passover uh, was, uh, uh, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, he knew that he was heading to the cross. 
that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Do you have a different phrasing in your translation? In the end of verse 1, he loved them how? What was it? To the end? Any other translation? Say it loud. To the very end. It's the word that he used on the cross. It is finished. Tetelestai. He loved them completely to the infinite degree just like when he died on the cross and said it is finished the work of salvation has been paid the forgiveness of the debt the sin debt has been paid in totality so too he loved that very way so he has given us the example of what it means to love like he loved to the degree folks that he said love your enemies Pray for those who hurt you. My, what a command. This is, uh, this is uh, if it were not the Lord saying it, we would, we would find it almost laughable. Like, what? Love those who hurt me? Love those? Uh, love those? Uh, uh, I want to retaliate. Well, in the flesh, of course you want to. But he has already said, what? Vengeance is mine. I'll repay. I'll take care of that. You forgive and you love those who have hurt you. One of the most profound examples of love in all of Scripture is found in this chapter in verses 4 and 5. Look at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 13. He rise from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, kind of an apron as it were. After that, he had poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. He literally did what uh, the word deacon means, went through dust. He got down right into the dirt of the floor, if you will, and washed the filthy feet of the disciples. And was Judas a part of that group? Yes, Judas had not gone out yet, including Judas, loving those who would ultimately hate him. He did it to the nth degree. Folks, this type of love validates salvation. In fact, 1 John 3.10 says, Whosoever doth not, doeth not righteousness is not of God. Okay, we see that. But neither he that loveth not his brother. You see, it puts a, a, in the same category of lost people those who practice evil as well as those who do not love. It's a serious, serious command uh, of the one another's. Chapter 4 and verse 8 of 1 John says, he that, knoweth, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. How can I know God in a very real and personal way and do not manifest the characteristic that is used to describe him? God is love. Scripture doesn't say God is faith uh, or, or some other attribute like that, but he is love. He's the personification of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. So he himself is love, and I am to walk in that. The great uh, apologist Francis Schaeffer once wrote, that loving one another and loving the lost is the final apologetic. It's the totality of apologetics because that gives a defense. Oh, we can, we can, we can share all kinds of things we know. But a lost person, that coworker, that neighbor, 
doesn't care how much you know until he or she knows how much you care. Did you all get that? So it's the final apologetic. You can have all the knowledge, all the information that, the, that uh, theologians can offer, and you can have it just, uh, at, just right at, at, the, at hand's reach. But if it's not ministered in a heart of sacrificially caring for you, then, of course, it's likely uh, to be mocked because it's not genuine, not a genuine God love. So we must follow that example of Jesus. Thirdly, we must maintain the expression of love. See, it's not theory. Notice in verse 35 of our text, by this, by that love shall the whole world know that you are my disciples. If biblical love isn't manifested or made evident, then, then it's, uh, it's, not, it's not there. The, the presumption is it's not present. It's not there. It's kind, of like a, it's kind of like a heart of gratefulness. How do I know that you have a heart of gratefulness? I know it when you express it, right? When you actually say as much. Well, similarly, uh, I know and the world will know that you have God's love in your heart um, by expressing it, by actually demonstrating it. In fact, Again, 1 John 3, 14, the apostle of love, John, said, We know that we have passed from death unto life, not because of how much knowledge we have, not because of anything like that. We know we have because we love the brethren. We love one another. John Calvin wrote that about Christian love. He said, By this mark, Christ distinguishes his own from strangers. Whether or not you actually walk in love, and I'm going to get to how you can can know in just a minute. The practical points are coming up. But whether or not you walk in love is a strong indicator of whether or not you actually are following the Lord. The theologian Alexander McLaren wrote, The world takes its notion of God, most of all, from those who say they belong to God's family. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Glorify your Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. And so uh, Jesus said, the compelling point of that is to love others as he has loved others. Now, yes, we must walk in orthodoxy, how we believe. But it plays out in orthopraxy how we behave, and the behavior must be saturated and surrounded by, above, below, on either side, with a heart of love. You see, anyone can get up here and preach. Anyone can expound on the information in the Word of God. But God will only bless the preaching of His Word if the one who is bringing it truly longs for God to bless those lives. Now, of course, he'll use his word. It won't return void. <clears throat> but his, his purpose is that we teach, that we work in our Awana clubs, that we serve in our committees, that we send out missionaries and support them. All of that because of a love for others. <clears throat> to the degree I alluded to it a minute ago, in Matthew 5, 
on the Sermon on the Mount, I still want to bring a message on the Sermon on the Mount of what I believe uh, the real purpose of it is. Jesus said, you've heard that it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Now, 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 what is he trying to get across? That those to whom he was speaking did not measure up because they, did, they were not characterized by this. They were not characterized by loving their enemies or praying for those who despitefully used and persecuted them. For if you love them who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans or the heathen, don't they do that? And if you salute, if you befriend your brethren only, that is just fellow church members, what do you more than others? Don't even the publicans do that? Pagans do that. But by virtue of being in Christ, you have the new nature. And the new nature is characterized. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, say it with me, is love, joy, peace. And the very first fruit is agape, is love. Okay, preacher, I'm convinced. You don't have to say another word. I know that I am called as a child of God to love others. How can I know if I'm actually doing that? Let me offer two indicators. Love is expressed proactively in kindness. There we go. Love, oh I didn't, I didn't, yeah I did give you that one. Love is expressed proactively in kindness. In other words, I intentionally set my mind toward demonstrating love to you and to others. Now, how that, what that looks like is as much of a variety uh, uh, as there are people to whom you can express that love. But biblical love is not accidental. It's a verb. It's action. It's actually me doing something. I'm moving from this point, uh, and, I'm, and I'm moving out um, to address somebody's need with, in the name of Christ, with the uh, power of the Spirit. And so my motive is very important because it's not just what I do, it's why I do it. If it's biblical love, then it's going to be selfless. And selflessness does not operate in the realm of haughtiness or pride or or trying to uh, butter somebody up. You all following this? So my motive is also critically important for why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I uh, helping that person out who needs a hand? Why is it that I uh, am agreeing to serve in this capacity? Not just that I'm serving in that capacity, but why am I? Why am I giving to missions? What is my motivation? So love is expressed proactively in acts of kindness. Now, when I do that, uh, it, it very likely is going to cost me something. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me effort. If it was easy, anyone could do it, right? Amen? Uh, Jesus expressed love in kindness by going, being nailed on the cross so that we may be offered eternal life. Now, that is proactive love. He moved out. He, he left heaven's glory Took, took upon himself the form of a servant and died vicariously so that we might have life. What proactive kindness that is. In fact, Romans 2 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repent. When we look at the gospel and we imagine that for such a worm as I, as Isaac Watts wrote, 
He died on the cross. So, I am to love you and love others by intentionally demonstrating kindness in a myriad of ways. You, just, uh, you could write down a thousand different ways that you could show kindness and you are demonstrating, provided your heart attitude is right, and you're demonstrating biblical love. Now, that's, that's, that's doable. That's, I, I can be in the Spirit and all, and, and that doesn't really test me or tax me until you get to this point. Love is also expressed reactively in forgiveness. You see, when the deacon Stephen was being stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, what did he pray? Lord, forgive them, Lord. They don't, they're lost. They're blind. They're dead. They don't know what they're doing. So Stephen is the poster child for this. Being stoned to death, how much does it hurt to have this size of rocks just thrown at you and thrown at you and thrown at you until you literally are dead? That is not fun. Yet, he said, and doing it just simply for standing for Christ, just simply telling people about eternal life. And he said that I forgive them out of love. How we react is just as important as how we proactively move toward someone. Anyone can be kind to, to, the, to the neighbor, to, to someone who's one of their brethren, but being kind, showing biblical love to someone who's hurt you, someone who, uh, who gossips about you, who rips you off. And, folks, this is easy to preach. It takes the new nature, the power of God to see it accomplished. Amen? And yet, as a child of God, Jesus said, you can do this. In fact, we've seen example after example in Scripture of those who the lost would take up an offense, would be bitter, would be unforgiving. And yet, by virtue of the power of God in our hearts, we can forgive. Uh, I, I was challenged with that five, six, seven years after I got saved, when, when a derelict, when a, a truly a punk uh, killed my dad, brother, and sister. Totally innocent were they, and totally guilty was the other one. And uh, I didn't struggle much with forgiveness in that situation, in that context. I viewed it uh, as Stephen. He, he's just lost. He doesn't have a clue of what is right and wrong and, and still needed to pay for the crime, but didn't hold personal vengeance. What I struggled with more was six or eight months later when the trial came up for the, the death uh, of my three family members and the judge, who was called to represent the people in justice, gave, sentenced the man to six years, and he did two and a half years in jail for killing three people. That's where I struggled. But to this day, the best I know, I am free in my heart regarding that situation. What? Because of how spiritual I am? No, no, no. Because I don't, one thing, I don't want the alternative. For if a root of bitterness, Hebrews 12, is planted, sown in your heart, what's going to happen? It is going to trouble you and defile many. And God saved me from that. And God saved you from that. You love pro, uh, reactively through forgiveness. So maybe it could be 
that even right now, uh, watching by way of internet, you have uh, haunting in your memory that person who has ripped you off, that person who's hurt you. Truly, unjustly, you did not deserve it. You didn't do anything, and you know it, that person, and God knows it. And yet, Scripture would say, love your enemies. Do good to those who have hurt you. Pray for those who have despitefully used you and persecuted you so that you can manifest your relationship with the Lord. If it was easy, anybody could do it. But having the new nature, having the Spirit of God in your heart, having the Word of God to teach you, the, uh, the body of Christ to encourage you in that, we can all, as His people, love one another, manifesting our new nature in Him. Lord, I'm so thankful for this, Your Word, how You've commanded us to love one another. And You've set that example, Lord Jesus, on, on the cross. Forgive them. Stephen, the deacon, had that. And so many other biblical examples And, uh, Lord, uh, your love, your love wins the day. It did win the day at the cross for us, those of us who know you. May we manifest this. And we'll be tested now. I'll be tested. I'll be tempted. Now being reminded of this, when someone is unkind, rude, rips me off, wants to hurt me, or those around me, I'm going to be tested in this. Lord, may I pass the test. And in a spirit of humility and dependence on you, um, move out and forgive and be kind to the undeserving. For, Lord, that is exactly what you did toward me. May I have that same heart in each one of your people in this place. Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we pray.